Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, find us on the web at revivallifechurch.org. Praise God. So we're starting a new message series today. Uh, we're starting it on, um, uh, on, on Stephen. Uh, we're working our way through the book of Acts and... Uh, and uh, we're up to Stephen. And uh, Stephen, of course, servant, prophet, and martyr. Can you say amen? amen. It's going to be good. Whoa. My mother-in-law's laughing. That's Stephen. Hallelujah. Ha. And so the presence of God is here. I expect him just to touch you. Amen? My message today, um, uh, I really feel like God is on this. Uh, message today is the power of your words. The power of your words. My, uh, I've been, uh, the Lord spoke to me about this message um, <clears throat> about three weeks ago, and that's odd for me. Uh, if I get it on the Monday before, I'm pretty happy. Uh, but he's been talking to me about this for a couple weeks. <clears throat> and after I got it, people began uh, posting. I see uh, a lot of preachers were talking about the same thing. A lot of churches were talking about the same thing. My wife went to a, was invited uh, by a, a pastor friend of ours to a women's event. And uh, the title of her message was, The Power of Your Words. So I feel like God might be speaking something to the church. Amen? Amen? And so I hope you try to lay hold of this and see what God might do for you today. All right? <clears throat> Hallelujah. You know, at um, Revival Life Church, we have, a, we, have a, um, we have a culture here that we like. All right? And we have a culture on purpose. We're not just kind of floating through life here. We actually have a, a purpose. And we, and we came up with this purpose. And we uh, put it together in graphic form. It's called Protecting the Glory. Uh, and in uh, protecting the glory, it's uh, kind of like the, or the, the key things that we kind of believe in. And at the center of that belief, we have the, the flaming uh, dove logo, which is the logo for our church. And the flaming dove, of course, symbolizes what happened uh, in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when Jesus sent out the Holy Ghost uh, and he landed on people as tongues of fire. And uh, at the very center of all of our culture, of all our beliefs, of all that we, that we hold dear to in this house is the encounter with God. Amen? We don't believe that uh, teaching is the center of the church. We don't believe even that fellowship is the center of the church. Uh, we don't even believe, don't, don't throw rocks at me, we don't believe that getting people saved is the center of the church. We believe that encountering God is the center of the church. God encountering man is the center of the church. And so it's the center of our culture here. It's the center of our cultural belief of people encountering God. And uh, we believe this is important. Why? Why is encountering God so important? God is the source of life. He is the source of life. And we need to encounter that life regularly. Amen? It's not a one and done deal. Salvation is not a one-time moment. We're being saved. We're saved, we're being saved, our salvation will be revealed. We're living in the kingdom. We're encountering God. It is an ongoing thing that we do, and in our house, we want to value that. In John chapter 1, John said that uh, in, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. In him, Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, Every person was created in God's image. We know that, right? We know that from Scripture that He created man in His image. Sometimes Christians think it's only Christians that are made in His image. 
But actually, everyone was created in God's image. That's what the Bible tells us. And the Bible says that every person has a measure of authority on their life. Because he gave man dominion over the earth. He didn't say, I gave good people. He gave man dominion over the earth as part of the creation, right? And so we're all created in his image. We all have authority in the earth. But those of us who are followers of Jesus have decided that we're going to use that authority to further the purposes of Jesus on the earth. If you're not a follower of God, you still have authority and you can exercise that authority lots of ways. And uh, you can use it for prosperity or anything else that God has given you authority over. Uh, as believers, uh, those who are followers of Christ, we use that authority and we use that image to further God's purposes and uh, to let him be known in the earth. Amen? Amen? But So that's why we see some people, they could be extremely successful. And since Jesus was the life and the life was the light of men, and we could see them, even though they're successful, they're awake, but there's no lights on inside. You see people and they're awake and successful, but they're dead. There's no life. No life behind the eyes, right? And uh, this is the life we want to share. And, uh, and, 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 and this is the life we want to impart. This is the life we want to carry. This is the life we want people to see. We're not trying to get people to do what we're doing. Christianity is not about uh, imparting a moral code. It's not about changing how people behave. Are you hearing me? Christianity is not about rules and, and what rules we as a people have decided to agree on. Christianity is about that we have received the life. Amen? This is what Christianity is about. Jesus Christ is the light of men. And uh, when we receive that life, we're entered into the kingdom of God, and then we walk with him. This is what Christianity is about. And then Jesus actually starts working on our lives uh, because he's a very good God. And uh, generally, he works on our lives in an order that most people would not understand. Uh, it, 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 this is... Um, <clears throat> Salvation is an extremely personal, personal, personal thing. Amen? Uh, your relationship with God is an extremely personal matter, but the community of God is a very public matter. And what God is doing with us as a people is, is, is public. And um, it's, it's, we get into territory that isn't our territory when we start trying to dictate a moral code to people uh, beyond where God is working on them. Does that make sense? <clears throat> there are um, sins that the church in particular uh, finds particularly offensive. And they're generally not our sins. <laughs> they're their sins. And uh, I maybe disclosed too much from the pulpit, but I get together with um, older pastors who are very, very concerned about certain sins, like, very, very concerned about certain sins because they're very foreign to them. And, uh, and I, told, I, told, uh, I told some pastors this week and I told some other people, I said, you know, they're talking about the stuff that pastors worry about. Like, I get it, man. I'm like, but what you guys are talking about, I've lost more people to CrossFit than what you're talking about right now. You know, I mean, CrossFit's not evil. CrossFit is a way to exercise. Sweet Jesus. But anything can become a religion. And one of the biggest lies that is happening right now is that your sexuality determines your identity. And there's an agenda behind that. And your sexuality is not your identity. 
Your identity is who Christ called you to be. Your sexuality is your sexuality. The idea that sex is the center of who you are is a lie from the devil. Do you hear what I'm telling you? Sexuality is your identity. Why, 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 of all things, why that? Why would my reproductive system, why not my, you know, my, my, my circulatory system be the center? Why is not my blood pressure the determination? Right? Like, who came up with this? Someone with an agenda, right? But the enemy came up with this agenda, and the church is now believing it. And it's just, you know, does this make sense? Does this make sense? <clears throat> and so the encounter with God is what's important. And we can't allow the enemy to determine on what, what place that encounter happens. We determine that. Right? And so, I, you know, people will have these things that the church finds particularly offensive come in to the church. And, of course, since it's particularly offensive to us, we just feel like that's the first thing God wants to work on. And when God might have want to work on that last, who knows? Maybe, maybe that particularly offensive sin comes from somewhere. And God may want to work on that first. Like maybe, maybe he wants a person to know that they're loved before they're disproved. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's possible that God is actual love and not correction. Is it possible that God is love and not rebuke the things that we don't like? God, protect me from the world. I don't just think that's not a prayer that Jesus prayed. And this is not even my message. So if this is for somebody in here, just receive it so I can move on, right? God loves you. We're happy you're here in the midst of all your wickedness, right? Hallelujah. Because he loves me in the midst of my wickedness. I mean, not that I can find any, you know. <laughs> Jesus knows I'm lying right there. <clears throat> and so Jesus is a life, and, um, and, and, and this life was the light of man. And so many people, the lights are out. And, um, I, I, you know, Jesus, Jesus said in John 6, 63, he said, The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Now, how many of you actually believe that? How many of you believe that Jesus' words are spirit and life? This is an easy one. Jesus said it. And so we believe it, right? So how many of you believe that the words of Jesus are spirit and life? Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, <clears throat> if you want someone to encounter God, probably the best way is to get them around where people are talking about the spirit and life, right? Like where the words of Jesus are being spoken, right? Right? They just, yeah, just kind of makes sense, right? But Jesus said, my words to you. Say to me. His words to you are spirit and life. Now, sometimes these words are spoken to you. Sometimes you'll find them in the Bible, right? You'll read them in the Bible and they'll be spirit and life. And sometimes someone might get, a, get like an impression or they might pray or something. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, spirit and life is happening. Spirit and life is happening too. The words of God to you become spirit and in life, we call that, at Revival Life Church, we call that the encounter. We call that the encounter. It doesn't matter how it happens. If it's spoken, if someone touches you, or if there's the presence of God comes into the room and he speaks something to your heart, we call that the encounter. And what, what, we, what we minimize sometimes is the power that is being transferred in that moment of the encounter. 
We minimize it. And we talk a lot about we want to go to church. Don't just go to church to check the box off, right? Don't just go to church to check off your religious box. But sometimes we act like God shows up in our life just to check off a box. We say, hey, engage God while you're here. And then God shows up and we think he's just here to show up. No, he's actually doing something. He's actually doing something. Every word spoken to you by God, amen, every word spoken to you by God is an impartation of life and an impartation of his spirit. Every word spoken to you by God is an impartation of his life and his spirit. It's not just floating out there. It's not, it's not just an inanimate object floating in the air to look at. Oh, look, I got a prophecy. Well, that was pretty neat. Let's put that in the journal and move on with my life. No, no, no. That is an impartation of spirit and an impartation of life. Every encounter with God is an impartation of life and an impartation of spirit. It's not just something we check off. It's not something we're to take lightly. We don't just have prophecy all the time here for the sake of prophecy. Because when God speaks, you have to actually do something about it. No, no parent gets more frustrated when their kids don't listen. And all God's parents said, right? There's nothing more frustrating. Oh, you wanted me to do that? Yes, that's why I said it eight times. That's why I yelled the fifth time and sixth time. And the seventh time you thought I was crazy, but I really wanted you to do that. That's why I said that so many times. So I'm repenting to God after I said it the seventh time. Yet I said it the eighth time again, the same way. I had to repent again. Yes, because I wanted you to do that. Right? Like I, like I said that for a reason. Because I was actually expecting you to listen to me. And maybe, just maybe God's the same way. Possibly. God speaks things for a reason. Right? That's why we don't go around, you know, I don't want to go down that road. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We'll just put it this way. If you get a prophetic, you know, if, if the real spirit of prophecy is happening, we should probably pay attention. Because there's an impartation of spirit in life. That's why we have to judge these things as well. Because there's an impartation happening. I want it to be a spirit in life. Oh, Jesus, I'm feeling pulled. I'm not going down those roads. Just keep it clean, amen? <clears throat> and so Jesus, we've established his words, are spirit in life. And sometimes we look at that and, and it's like, oh, must be talking about the Bible. But he didn't say that. He didn't say someday, a couple hundred years down the road, someone will write down some scriptures and then, you know, five, six hundred years later, people will be able to read them because the majority of the population is illiterate up until, you know, much, 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 much later. He wasn't talking about what you're going to read in the Bible. My words, he said, to you are spirit and life. And so when God speaks to you, it's spirit and life. Are you with me? Because there's something he wants to do in you. Now, let's fast forward to Stephen. Uh, Stephen, in Acts chapter uh, 6, verse 8, we read about Stephen, who was a deacon, you remember. And uh, we see uh, this servant, Stephen, it says, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing wonders and signs among the people. Now, I don't know about you, I would like to do that. Wonders and signs among the people. And his whole qualification was that he served in the house of God. You serve in the house of God? And Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing wonders and signs. Now hear me. Uh, this is not for everybody, but it's for some people. Uh, 
most of the people in the church, in the charismatic church, they lust after the power and the signs. I like the power. I like the signs. I work hard. I go after God hard to see the signs and to operate in the power. But Stephen was full of grace and power and wonders and signs. And, and, it's, and it's significant that grace and wonders were listed before the power and signs. Because it's easy for us in this world to ha have a greater value for the signs and a greater value for the power than it is for the grace and, um, and the wonders. I need you to think about that for a second. The grace was more important to God than the power as he wrote this down. And so, so many people, we operate in power, but they don't get the favor they're looking for because they haven't learned to operate in grace. And they feel justified by the power. Look, God is with me. Look at all the signs. But you're not making anybody wonder because nobody likes you. So they're not listening to you. It takes grace to cause wonders because someone has to listen to you enough to wonder about the things that you're teaching. They're not wondering about you. There's wonders about what you're teaching. Does this make sense? And Stephen was so amazing at this. Uh, he was teaching in the synagogues and there was a certain synagogue called of the freedmen. I don't have time to get into what that means, but a synagogue of the freedmen, they were quite upset with Stephen and they weren't sure why they were upset, but they knew what he was saying was bothering them. And uh, next scripture, it says in uh, Acts 6.10, it says, but they were unable, next, they were unable to cope. Like we can't even deal, right? We are unable to cope with the wisdom and spirit with which he was speaking. Like we can't, we can't even, right? Like, <laughs> right? It says they were unable to, I can't even, I can't, like, which I, I can't cope with what his wisdom, with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. <clears throat> the wisdom in the spirit. And so, what we see here, and I need you to just focus. If you don't get anything out of this message other than this, just you will go home a rich man or woman, right? Pay attention to this. They were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit. Now, Jesus said, my words to you are life and they are spirit, right? Yep, the words I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Now we see Stephen speaking with spirit and life. Such to the point that the unbelievers, they can't even cope with it. They can't wrestle with it. They can't argue with it. They can't, because what they're receiving is not an argument. Let me talk about this. He wasn't arguing with them. He was ministering life and spirit. And what that means is, if Stephen can now operate in the ministry that Jesus said he operated in, and God is no respecter of man, you now have license to operate in a way that your words are spirit and they are life. Yeah. Are you hearing this? And that's a big deal. It's a really big deal. <clears throat> you have the same source that Stephen had. You have the same words spoken to you that Stephen had. This is why I tell you, don't go preaching somebody else's message. You preach your message. 
You share what God has spoken to you, to people. If I speak something in this pulpit and it touches your heart, that's what you share. Don't go try to you know, preach Joel Osteen's messages or Bill Johnson's messages or Billy Graham's messages. You share your life with people because your words are spirit and life. The words God has spoken to you are spirit and life. And not just for you, but for the world. Does this make sense? Put up my next slide. We're all going to say this together with this realization. We're going to say, my words are powerful and what I say matters. And we're going to say it out loud. Amen? Amen. Let's say it together. My words are powerful. What I say matters. Let's say it again. My words are powerful. What I say matters. Now, I want to give you a couple biblical examples of this principle. And, and one of these is going to stick to your bones and change your life. Are you with me? All right, let's do this. <clears throat> Most people are living in the world that they've spoken into existence. Most people are living in the world that they have spoken into existence. And if you look at the words, you, the words that you speak, they most likely represent the world that you're living in. If you're a frustrated person, I bet most of your words are frustration. If you feel overwhelmed, I bet a lot of your words talk about your being overwhelmed. If you're a happy person, I bet most of your words about being happy. If you're an angry person, I bet there's a lot of angry words that come out of your mouth. I bet there's very few people in this room whose words don't reflect their world. Or shall I say their world doesn't reflect their words. Are, are you with me? Proverbs 23 says, for as he thinks in his heart, as man thinks in his heart within himself, so he is. And there is this principle. There is this principle that what, what comes out of your heart is what, is what you're going to see in your life. And, and today, I really feel like there's some people, you might be stuck in cycles in your life. There are just cycles of life that you can't break out of. Maybe they're cycles of sin. Maybe they're generational curses. Maybe they're just thought patterns you can't get out of. Maybe you just can't get ahead and in your employment. Maybe they're just cycles and you see them over and over again and you can't see them break in your life for some reason. Am I talking to anybody today? And you just want somehow. And so the answer the world says, just try harder. Just try harder. What, you, what have you been doing? Well, I've been doing all these things. Well, do them harder, right? And if doing them harder would have worked, watch this, it would have worked. See how, see how that is right there. If it would have worked, it would have worked, right? And so perhaps there's something else going on. And uh, I, I had written this message on um, Friday. And Saturday morning, I got this text from Sarah Pagano. Watch this. Uh, put this next up. She said, Sarah sent me a text. She said, I had a dream last night that Jesus was walking through service, touching the tops of people's heads. And then he said, it's not just about behavior modification. It's about mind transformation. Is it perhaps possible that God is prophesying to us today? It's not just about behavior modification. It's about mind transformation. We can't change people. Once you get in your mind, hear me, once you get in your mind and your heart that you cannot change anybody, your life is going to get better. You can't, you can barely change you. You definitely can't change anybody else. All you can do is educate people. And if you educate people, then they'll be transformed by the renewing of their mind. 
That's how people are transformed, by the renewing of their mind, the Bible tells us, not by you telling people how they need to fix their life. Right? And so instead of in your own life just trying to change behavior, perhaps we need to get back to the root of what's causing this cycle that we want to break out of. Does this make sense? Put on my next slide if you would. Uh, many of you have seen this before. It's called the expectation belief cycle. Have you seen this before? Okay, so there's a lie in your life. And the lie affects your belief system. And out of your beliefs come your expectations, which become your behaviors, which become your experiences. Let me give you an example of this. I did not do well in school early on. My life had a lot of drama. Uh, and so I uh, proudly tell people I have a GED. I got it after I turned 18. Praise God, I dropped out of school in the ninth grade. No, I finished the ninth grade. It took me two, two swings at it, but I did finish. Hallelujah. And uh, I'm not going to tell them the rest of the story. And, uh, and so uh, the thought of me going to school was not like I didn't, I never like, I was never going to go to college because I don't do well in school. Now, if you believe you don't do well in school, right? Yeah, because you're going to have this belief you're not going to do well in school. So you're not expecting good grades. You don't go into, you don't go into grades expecting A's. You don't go into homework. It's, oh, you're sending me homework? Why put a lot of effort into it? Because I'm not expecting good grades, so your behavior is eh, not that great. And so you're not doing that much to get good grades, so your experience, of course, is not good grades, which reinforces the belief that you're not good in school. Does this make sense? And so we have this cycle. Since you all, Now that belief has been reinforced a thousand times over. There's never an expectation. How can I expect to have a good man? I'd never get good men. I have losers in my life. How can I expect to get a better job? How can I expect to actually change who I am? How can I expect to get ahead? How can I, because this lie that is at the center of everything I do. Does this make sense? Yeah. Put on my next slide if you would. I want us to say this together. <clears throat> Let's say it again. My words are powerful. What I say matters. See, next slide, please. In that entire cycle, you only have power over one thing here, and that's your beliefs. You only have power over your beliefs. You can't, you, you can't control the outcome. You can't control your experience. You can't even really control your expectation. All you control is your belief. And so if you will change your belief system, then you'll get a different expectation, which will change your life. Now, we live in a world that is not really excited about you getting ahead. We live in a world that wants to get over on you. Uh, and we have an enemy who wants to convince you that you're nothing. Who doesn't want you to try, doesn't want you to impact people's lives. Actually, we have an enemy who wants you to be very selfish and scared that you're not going to get ahead and to hold on to the little bit that you already have. Right? And so you have all this negative coming in, and at some point, you got to somehow have the truth entering into your heart. And there isn't a whole lot of material out there to encourage you, right? And so like, so like those of us on social media, uh, you might complain about what you see on social media, right? There's like so much bad content on social media and the non-edifying non content on social media. And how do you change that? How do you change that? Some people just check out of social media, but other people decide, hey, guess what? I am going to be a content creator, the church too long has not been content creators. And now the church is really coming into an era where we are content creators. Uh, many of the movies aren't very good, but they're going to get there. I just have a faith <laughs> that we're going to find someone other than Kirk Cameron to star in a movie. 
and the wayward husband getting saved at the end. There's going to be a different plot. Someone is magically going to come up with a new plot, and then we're but we're but we're creating movies. Content creators. Kirk, if you're watching, I think you're amazing, right? <clears throat> Get a new plot, though. Um, and so we need new content creators in life, right? We're singing songs. We're content creators. And so who is going to be the content creator for your life? You are. You are going to be the content creator. You need to hear the truth over your life. And the way you're going to do that is, watch this, you are going to speak it. Even if you don't feel it, you're going to stop speaking your expectations. You're going to start speaking the truth over your life. I may not have seen it yet, but I just, I know in the name of Jesus, there's a place for me in my father's house. I feel alone, but it's not true. I'm chosen. I'm accepted. I am who he says I am. I am a child of God, right? I can do well in school in the name of Jesus. I will get ahead in this life in the name of Jesus. I can wait for a godly husband or a godly wife. I actually can hold on until my wedding day. I actually do deserve someone who loves Jesus. I actually do deserve to be treated well because I am a child of God and my father is not bringing me some scrub, right? Like I am. I am worth somebody good. Are you hearing me? Somebody's got to tell you that. And if nobody's telling you that, you got to tell you that. You got to tell you that. Write it on your bathroom mirror and view yourself through it. You have to be a content creator in your life. You're meditating on something, right? If you're going to dwell in the past, don't dwell on the disappointments. Meditate on the testimonies. Help me out, Lillian. If you're going to dwell on the past... Don't meditate on the disappointments. Meditate on the testimonies of all the times God came through. If he did it before, he'll do it again. Amen? Every time you encounter God, every time, every time you get a revelation of God, every time you see him heal somebody, every time you see a godly marriage, don't let the enemy come in so bitterness because you haven't gotten a godly marriage yet. That's a testimony for you. That's a testimony for your life. That's what God has for you. That's who he is. He has just revealed to you who he is. Every testimony, every encounter with God, that's him revealing who he is in your life. We have a saying we like to say around here. When you're waiting for something and somebody near you gets it, the enemy wants you to be bitter. We like to say, God's in the neighborhood. Praise God. God's in the neighborhood. Hallelujah. God is in the neighborhood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's in the neighborhood, and he's coming for you too. Amen? Amen. Look at this. Revelation 19.10 says, For the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. When you, when, let me tell you what happened. This morning, I just began meditating on the fact that my knees have been healed for eight years this week. I just began just thinking about it. Yeah, hey, I'm pretty excited. Thanks, Mike. I'm excited about that. It's a big deal. It wasn't just a touch in a meeting. It wasn't just a touch. Like, they're fully healed. They are actually fully healed. Like, that still kind of blows my mind, Mike. I've seen a bunch of healings, but it still blows my mind every time. Actually blows my mind. And so I was in worship uh, for a service, and uh, I was just meditating on it. I was like, amazing. You're just amazing, God. It's just amazing. And then I began thinking about uh, Brandon's hip. 
about how the first time Brandon came to our service, uh, he was a little freaked out because he got healed. And um, I'm going to tell his testimony for him. Brandon was a, um, uh, was, a, was a scholarship athlete playing basketball in college and actually uh, lost it because of a hip injury in college. And, uh, and, uh, and he came first time to our service uh, and his hip got healed. And um, we have it on video. We have it on video. And I was just thinking about it this morning. I was just thinking about it, just hearing worship, thinking about it, like just, Jesus, wow, that was just, that was just amazing. And so I got up on stage. I said, I believe God's going to heal some people during this, this last song. And that was it. And then four people got healed in their knees. And someone got healed in their hip. And then I forgot that God was healing people in their shoulders. And so someone said, hey, my shoulder got healed. I was like, oh, yeah, that happens. And then when that happened, someone's neck got healed after they heard those testimonies. Listen, when you hear the testimony, you have a legal right to claim it. That's who God is. Because it's who he is. Be like going to the ice cream man and expecting him not to have ice cream. It don't make any sense. You, you have a right to the ice cream. Because he's the ice cream man. Now, Jesus is not the ice cream man serving us whatever we want, whatever we want. However, uh, uh, the, the testimony is the spirit of prophecy. And God actually wants to heal people. Amen? And so when you begin to uh, share your testimony... When, when, you, when, 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 uh, when you begin to speak it to people, you're actually prophesying things into existence. This is why we don't argue with people about Jesus. Just tell them your testimony. Any part of it. Any part of the last however many years you've been saved. Then you just have to be the first day. And please, don't tell people how wicked you were before you got saved. Nobody wants to hear that. Now, after you get saved, we love to lust over your old sin, right? But before you get saved, you know, don't, just tell people your life was a mess and now you got saved, right? Just tell them about the encounter with God's love. Just tell them the encounter. Tell them that you were in church and you saw people get healed. What, what are you doing? You're prophesying the life of Christ in the people. That's spirit and life that you're prophesying over people. Does this make sense? This is why we share what we've seen and we've heard. That's all we've been called to do is share what we've seen and heard. And you can have whatever you hear. It's a good word. Because the testimonies are the revelation of Jesus. And so we, <clears throat> since the words to you are spirit and life, we get to choose, since we have this power and authority that we were given in, in the garden, in our creation, we have a choice. What are we going to do with this authority and this power that Jesus has given us? It can go either way. Let me show you a scripture here. Uh, Ephesians 4.29 says, <clears throat> let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Now look what your words can do. Your words can corrupt others. Your words have the power to corrupt people. Your words also have the power to build people up. Can you imagine you're building someone up? Could it be possible that your life could build up somebody else's? Is it possible that God could use your life to build someone else? And then he says that he may give grace to those who hear. The grace is the power of God. Your words have the power to build someone up and for them to receive grace. I find that amazing. I find that amazing that he's entrusted that to us. And so... How do we stay in, 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 this, uh, in this atmosphere of the giving grace and building up instead of the corrupting talk? 
Let me tell you how you do it. You live a life of thankfulness. We live a life of thankfulness. There's always something to complain about. But we live in the worlds that we create with our words. And as we live thankful lives, we're letting God know that we value what he's given us. Therefore, we're a good candidate for more. If I give you a gift and I ask later, hey, would you, would you, would you, you know, did you, did you like that thing? You're like, oh, I haven't really unboxed it. It's in the garage. I'm probably not giving you another gift. Right? But if, I, but if I go to your wedding and I give you a gift that, I, that was special and I get a card back, I mean, I want to sow into your life. Right? I want it because you value what I've given you. Does, does this make sense? Yeah. Thankfulness primes the pump for receiving from God. And it's the call of God in our house to bring hope to people. It's the call of God in our house to encourage people. Right? To encourage literally means to give courage. Don't be distracted. It means to give courage. Turn them down to touch. And so imagine if your life could be such that it brings courage to someone else's life. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine someone who feels they're defeated and they're stuck in that cycle and they can't get out of it, but you give them courage to break free of that cycle? Can you imagine what that's like? Can you imagine what, what like, once they get married, what that'll look like? When that cycle's broken? Can you imagine what their kids' lives are going to be like? Imagine how your kids' lives could, could change if you break that cycle. Jesus came into this world to break cycles. To break cycles of selfishness, to break cycles of sin and violence and greed and hurt and murder. He came to break those cycles. Jesus, who was a perfect, perfect, perfect man, son of God, laid down his divinity and decided to break the cycle for us so that we could enter into a healthy cycle. And I just, I, just, I just feel like today, God wants to break some cycles in some people's lives. I feel like today, He wants supernaturally to just help you with an impartation of truth in your life to break these cycles that are, that are keeping you from being everything God has called you to be. Am I speaking to anybody right now with this? Amen, amen, amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that's you, I'd like you to stand up. And we're going to sing here in a second. And, and, and there's a couple things I want you to leave this room with today. Number one, I want, you to, I want you to leave with the realization that your words have power. The words you speak over your own life and the words you speak over the lives of the people that you live life with have power. And I don't know who this is for, but if you think it's funny to joke with your kid by calling him an idiot or whatever, just I need you, I need you to go before God and repent. And then I need you to go to your child and repent and ask for forgiveness. It's not funny to call him flacco or to call him, you know, what you know, it's just it's just not funny. It's 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 actually evil. And you may not know that, but quit prophesying wickedness over your children. It's not funny. I don't know who that's for. God loves you enough and loves your kids enough to have me say that just now. So you need to ask them to forgive you and wait until they say, I forgive you. It's okay is not an answer because it's not okay. But what words do you speak over yourself? What words do you speak over your friends and your family, your finances, your, your city, 
What words do you speak over your church? What words do you speak over your, your future? I believe God wants to just break some, some, he wants to break some cycles right now. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing this song. We sang it earlier, but you're going to sing it and you're going to believe it. And I believe that some of you that feel alone, God is going to break that in your life. Some of you feel like you don't know if you fit in or not. God's going to break it. Some of you who don't know, don't have a healthy relationship with God, he's about to break that cycle in your life right now. And he's about to draw you in. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me and know his love for me. Yes, his love for me. Who the sun sets free. Oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I every person in the sound of my voice are loved, chosen, child of God. I declare over your life that the cycles will begin being broken this week in the name of Jesus. 
I, de I declare deliverance happening all over the room right now. In the name of Jesus, abandonment. Spirit of abandonment is, being, is, is leaving in the name of Jesus. The orphan spirit is leaving in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I see the Lord knitting hearts right now. I see Him healing hearts right now. In the name of Jesus, the lie that no one cares is lifting off your life right now. In the name of Jesus, there is a place for you in your Father's house. Shekaba. 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 Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. Hallelujah. Hey, we love you this week. I want to challenge you to carry the truth of God's word into your world this week. Amen. Amen. If you need healing in your body, if you need deliverance, if you need, um, if you need this cycle, you want someone just to agree with you that this cycle will be broken. The cycle of negativity, the cycle of, of, of just, just malaise over your life. We're going to have our, our ministry team is right up here. I'm going to welcome you to come forward and receive ministry. If you're a guest, I would love to meet you. I'm going to be in the lobby in one moment. If you'll wait for me there, I would certainly appreciate it. I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ till we meet again. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Amen. Give a clap off for the Lord if you would. Now the band is going to be playing for a minute. If you just want to encounter God, just stay here. If you need ministry, come forward now. If you need to meet the Lord, if you're not right with God, do not leave here without getting right with God. We have people right up forward who would love love, love to pray for you. God bless you.